Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It was just about a thousand years before Christ was born. King David lay on his deathbed, talks to his son Solomon, who was going to be the next king, and tells him that I have prepared everything for you, Solomon. I have stored up uh, possessions and money, building materials, and, and then he gives him some advice about being the king. David passes on, Solomon becomes the king. And Israel moves into its glory. Uh, If you've read the story, we know that Solomon seeks the Lord and God gives him great wisdom and he builds this amazing kingdom, an amazing temple, palaces and buildings and spreads his influence far and wide throughout the land of Israel. So much so that the reputation of, of God's people gets around the whole world and rulers from other countries start coming to Solomon to talk with him, to get advice from him, to see what has happened in this small little kingdom that is so glorious and so powerful. Well, Solomon's life comes to an end, and one of his sons who follows him uh, doesn't do nearly as good a job as a king, and within that next uh, reign, uh, there is civil war in Israel, and the northern ten tribes break away from the southern tribes, the southern two. And... Things did not go well for God's people. And in that northern kingdom, it wasn't but probably within the next generation or two that they turned to idolatry. They start adding in worshiping things that aren't God anymore. Okay, worshiping those things. And and God sends prophets to them to warn them, to call them back, to tell them you need to change the way you're, you're doing this. And they refused. They did not change. Their hearts stayed hard for God toward God, and the record is that there were no good or godly kings in the northern kingdom, and within 300 years, God has judged them so much that the northern tribes really don't exist anymore like they did, because uh, the kingdom of Assyria came and took all of the people who were people of education, all of the people, people of means, talents, skills, and took them away and sent them to other parts of the world. And then they, they took uh, people from other parts of the world, all different religions, and sent them back into this land. And so it's gone. The southern kingdom lasts a while longer. God is sending them prophets too and warning them, telling them, because their hearts are turning away from God. There's not very many kings who are godly and loving, which the people aren't either. And, and within uh, another 150 years, the same thing has happened to the southern kingdom. Babylon has come and taken away so many of the people and, just, and it's gone. Now God is still sending prophets to his people. He's sending his prophets to his people sometimes in the faraway land, sometimes in Israel trying to talk about what God is doing and and then there's a glimmer of hope because with Nehemiah and and some of the people there, God enables some of his people to go back to Israel 
and begin to settle it again and to begin to rebuild Jerusalem and to, to build a temple, a small temple compared to what it was, but it was something. And it seemed like God was doing something. And then about 400 years before the birth of Christ, heaven went silent. For 400 years, Malachi writes his, his last words there, and then God stops talking to his people in any direct way. And during this time, um, Alexander the Great comes and conquers the region, conquers the whole known world at the time. He is followed by the Romans who, who took over. And, and by the time of Christmas, as we celebrated Christmas, by that time, the people have had 400 years of not hearing from God. They have an occupying army that is not friendly to God in their country, a ruling with a, a rod of iron. Uh, their religious leaders, the Sadducees, don't even really believe in spiritual things anymore. They're Jews in name only. And, and that's a messed up situation, isn't it? And we know, we know the story from where we're standing today. We look back, oh yes, but this is, God came into the world. Jesus was born, right? The Son of God came. We know that part of the story. But most people didn't know that part of the story. And so they are living in this really messed up world. And it wasn't at all the way they thought it should be. They could look at the Bible and see all these promises and what God was doing, but where is God in this mess? What in the world is happening the Son of God does enter the world, but like I said, most people don't know that. All they know is that the Romans crack down harder, they have babies killed, and what's going on? Jesus himself goes into hiding. It's a mess, isn't it? Now, aren't you glad we know the rest of the story? We, we know, as Isaiah prophesied, that these people who were sitting in darkness, they were in darkness, they, they had this huge mess in front of them, they couldn't figure it out, they didn't know what's happened. It says that God sent light to them, the Son of God coming into the world. Like I said, we know the rest of the story, right? Jesus dying for our sins, rising from the dead, victorious in what he's doing. And so we know that God was working, but the people who were there at that time, they weren't seeing it. Does that make sense to you? Like I said, sometimes we tend to read in what we know. They didn't know that. And so this whole idea, everything leading up to Christmas reminds me that sometimes life gets really messy. Really messy. Life is messy. And I've heard people use, trying to, you know, use other words, much stronger words, much harsher words to describe the way life gets. And I understand that, okay? I'm going to use words that I think are more appropriate. But I don't want you to think by just saying life is messy, it's not a big deal. I'm talking about life is messy sometimes. Royal mess. Stinking lousy I can't make sense of a kind of mess. That's the way life gets sometimes. And when, when life starts to feel that way and, and it doesn't let up, then you start, you know, 
trying to figure things out. You, you start asking questions and you can't find answers and, and, and you're working through this. And, and, and when that happens day after day after day, sometimes you just get overwhelmed with it. And, and, and then it's like this. It's like you start to try to put the puzzle pieces together to make sense of it. And you say, hey, wait a minute. I got pieces for more than one puzzle here. You know, in our household, uh, my wife loves puzzles. And some of my daughters, especially, have picked up on it. And so Christmas season comes, and out comes the puzzle. And uh, I, but my experience with puzzles are different than theirs. My experience with puzzles are getting a puzzle and putting it all together and discovering that what? One piece is missing. <laughs> And having a bunch of kids around with puzzles, when they're little, next thing you know, you're trying to put puzzles together, and wait a minute, this piece doesn't go with this puzzle, right? And so that's the way it gets when life gets messy like this. We're trying to put the pieces together, but we can't make sense of it. Life is messy. Now, when life gets, I mean, it could be relationships, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be just, you know, where do I fit? Uh, you know, things aren't going the way I, whatever. And maybe a whole combination of those things comes together and we're like, uh. And wouldn't it be nice at those times to be able to make yourself sit back, stop and, and, and look up and look around and catch a glimpse of God here in this mess? That God knows about this mess. That God's here. I see God in this mess. Wouldn't that be nice? Doesn't always work that way, does it? Sometimes we really want to see God in the mess, and and we don't. And, And so we have questions, and we ask questions, trying to make sense of it all. Now, we're not the first people who have asked those kinds of questions. Abraham trying to make sense of the things that God had said to him, trying to figure it out. He made some bad choices, trying to figure it out on his own. And, and, and uh, God did show up on occasion for Abraham, but for the most part, Abraham had a lot of years of trying to figure this out without really being able to see what God was doing. You have Jacob, who... Uh, Spent years, you know, had to, to run away from his brother who wanted to kill him because of his own choices, but run away from his brother. And then he spent years with an uncle he was working for that kept trying to cheat him. And 21 years, Jacob goes in a big mess without really catching a glimpse of God. Joseph. He has this promising future and this, this thing that he's looking forward to. And what ends up happening? His brothers sell him into slavery. They fake his murder, sell him into slavery. And then he gets falsely accused of something he didn't do. He gets thrown in jail. And it's a huge mess. 22 years for Joseph. It, you know, he caught a glimpse of God here and there, but 22 years basically in a big mess. Moses. Gets it in his heart to deliver God's people. Goes to do it. It goes really wrong and he has to run away for his life. 40 years he takes care of sheep in the wilderness working for his father-in-law. 40 years without being able to see God and what he was doing in his mess. And even Jesus 
the Son of God, God become a human. As a human being, he had his where is God moment as he hung on the cross and said, why have you forsaken me? If these heroes of the faith and the Son of God himself experience messes where they want to see God but don't feel like they are seeing God, do you think we can expect not to have the same kinds of things happen to us? The good news is we have a huge advantage over them. A huge advantage over them. And it's something that God has provided for us that that if we will take advantage of, will enable us to, not always as much as we want, but will enable us to see God in the mess. My experience tells me that far too often we don't take advantage of what God has provided for us in this way. So what am I talking about? Well, let's go to the Word. See what we can find out here today. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke 24. This is Christmas Sunday, as we've talked about it. We have considered the Christmas story. I've already talked to you about that. Raise the whole issue of this mess and how do we see God working in it. And this passage of Scripture is, is uh, a number of years later, after the Christmas story. This story takes place after Jesus has been crucified and after Jesus has risen from the dead, but most people don't know that yet. Most of his disciples have not seen him yet. They aren't sure that he's really risen. So let's begin reading in verse 13. It's, by the way, it's page 1218 in the Bible in the chairs. And as always, we encourage you, if you're here today without a Bible, we encourage you to find one of those under the chairs and follow along with us. It'll be very helpful to you. Page 1218, Luke chapter 24. We're going to start in verse number 13. It says, now behold, two of them. And two of them is talking about disciples. Two of those who had been followers of Christ while he was uh, here on earth. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. So from their perspective, a man walking along came up, caught up with them, and joined them. They do not recognize him as Jesus because apparently the Lord is not allowing them to recognize him yet. But here's what I want you to see, and and we're going to read about it. (laughs) How messed up was life for these guys at this moment? I mean, they had thrown in their whole lot with Jesus and had left all and were following him around believing that he was going to be the Messiah, and then all of a sudden, within one week's time, he goes from this huge victory parade to having been taken in prison and then tortured, killed, gone. Uh, Life gets messy sometimes. And so they don't know what to make of it. They can't figure out what's going on here. 
But what I want you to see is this. They, you know, they could look for God. Where is God in all this? They don't see him. But it says Jesus did what? He drew near. The first thing I want you to understand this is that God, the Lord, doesn't leave us alone in the mess. The Lord doesn't leave us alone in the mess. And they don't know he's there. They don't know what's going on. They don't have all those answers, but he hasn't left them alone, has he? And so when we find ourselves in those messes and we look around and we don't see the Lord, and we can't, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you, how long? Always. All right? So we need to remember that when we find ourselves in the middle of the mess that the Lord has not abandoned us. He is there whether we realize it or not. And the second thing I want you to see from this, just this portion of the story here is that the Lord doesn't reveal himself in the mess until the right time, until the time is right. Now, I don't know about you, when I'm in the middle of the mess, I think the right time is now. Okay? But God is working in the mess, and he's going to let you see him at work in the mess, but not until the time is right to accomplish his good purposes in your life. He's not going to short-circuit that. Even the Apostle Paul talks about this. In 2 Corinthians, he says this. He says, we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. But I want you to see, for him to reach that place where he says, we're trusting in God who raises to the dead, God had to let him get to being burdened beyond measure. God had to let his life come to the place where he said, I don't have enough strength to deal with this. God had to allow him to get to the place where Paul was ready to give up before God shows up. You see, if you'd ask the Apostle Paul before all of these things happened, you know, do we need to trust God? He said what? Absolutely we need to trust God. Then life started getting hard, hard. And do you think that he knew they should trust God? Apostle Paul, sure, he knew. Yeah, we need to be trusting God. He, he knew the answers, but, but it wasn't until he reached this point in his life where all of a sudden he didn't just know about trusting God. He didn't just say, yeah, we need to trust God. He trusted God and learned a whole lot more about it. You see that? But if God had just shown up in the beginning, said, ah, don't worry about it, wouldn't have had to trust God, would he? I mean, he just, so God brings us to those places in our lives. I remember for me, and I've told you the story, how that as I grew up as a young man, I was driven to earn my significance, to prove that I was of value. And so everything I put my hand to, I worked hard at it, you know, put my intelligence on it and worked hard to, to earn the pat on the back and to be somebody. And when I was 19 years old and I realized that I had sinned against God and, and understood that and understood that Jesus died for my sins and rose again and I, I received Christ as my Savior, 
You know, he, he forgave every sin and, and, and gave me eternal life. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And then he moved in and began working with me. But I want you to understand something, that I took my approach to life, and, and this is not just me, we all do this, but I took how I was approaching life and just moved it into Christianity. Now I'm working hard as a Christian to do what's right. And I'm going to earn it. I'm going to show you. And I'm going to prove to you that, that I can do this right. I'm worth knowing and I am of value and, and to earn my significance. And I'm working hard at this. You know, we're music director and trying to get that all right. And the big programs and, and, and uh, all with good reasons but also with the wrong motivation. You know, to, to earn my right standing and my value before other people. You know, I was teaching projects I was working on, even in my relationships, all right? So this is what I'm doing. I'm driven to do this. So there's not much grace. I'm not experiencing much grace in my life because I'm earning everything. And I'm working hard to earn it. And you know what? When I'm approaching life that way, there's not much grace available in my relationships either. Because if you're having struggles, you know what you need to do? You just need to try a little harder. You need to work a little more at it. Get more serious about this. Get more committed. But you see what I'm saying? And that, so here I am, bumped through life and, and, and you know, not, not helping myself, and I'm hurting relationships. And then my life became a huge mess. See, God let my life become a huge mess. You know how he did it? He let me become the pastor of this church. <laughs> and that's not a reflection on you, but it's the idea he put me in a place where my approach to life would not work. And I couldn't figure it out. So what I do? Tried harder? Worked harder. And it wasn't until I was exhausted and broken and my relationships at risk that God showed up and changed everything. Showed me that I didn't have to earn that, that I'm accepted by him unconditionally, and he's working in my life. Yeah, helping me to do better. And, and it, it, he allowed me to, as I experienced his grace, to begin to show grace to other people. And so it just changed everything. But I want you to see is that I wasn't ready to learn that lesson until I was exhausted and broken and everything was at risk. God's timing. Now, I want to encourage you. I think there are ways we can approach life where we don't have to wait so long. (laughs) Okay? But God's timing is perfect, and he will show up at just the right time when it will be the very best time for what he wants to accomplish in your life and for what you need him to accomplish. All right, let's read on here. The idea is this. So just because you're not seeing God doesn't mean he isn't there. Okay, he is at work. He's come along. You haven't seen him yet, and you, you won't see him until the time is right. All right. Verse 17. And he, Jesus, said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So they're talking about these things, and obviously they have this, this downcast sadness about them. 
Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Did Jesus not know what things? He wanted them to talk about what things. What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And by the way, for you and I, we think third day, oh yes, resurrection. They didn't know resurrection. By the third day, they said, he really is dead. It really is done. It's the third day since these things happened. And then he said this, they're just all blown away. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So they, aren't, they don't know that Jesus is risen. They don't know but what these women have lost their minds. They... Life is a mess, and they aren't seeing God in the middle of it. So what you see that Jesus asked them, what things? And then they went down the list. Here's another thing I want you to see today. God will use the mess to engage you on the issues that matter most. You see, when I was going through my mess, the biggest issue in my life wasn't that the lawnmower didn't work once in a while. <laughs> the biggest issue in my life wasn't a car problem. The biggest issues in the life was that I couldn't please people anymore. The biggest issue in my life is that my relationships were hurting and getting worse. You see, God was engaging me where I needed to deal with stuff. I handled lawnmowers that didn't work fine. I handled car problems fine. I didn't handle how I got my significance fine. I did not handle how I got, worked my relationships fine. And so God used the mess to engage me on what matters most. And that's what he'll do with you. Let's read on, verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Let's just stop right there. Um, <clears throat> if you're sad about something, and you're confused about something, and you can't figure it out, and it's really bothering you, and someone says, you're foolish. What's wrong with you? You aren't believing right. How are you going to feel? Oh, let's add insult to injury, right? Let's pour some salt on this wound. But Jesus is challenging them. Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. They had believed a lot, but he hadn't, he hadn't believed all yet. Then he says this, Ought not the Christ, the Messiah, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, they didn't know it was himself yet. They didn't understand that. But what does Jesus do? He says, let's look at the scriptures. 
You're in this huge mess and you can't figure it out. Let's look at the scriptures. And what he did was he showed them himself. Like I said, they didn't know yet, but he was showing them God in the mess. So, so here's what we can learn from this. Let the mess drive you into the word. Let that mess drive you into the word because it's there that you are going to begin to see the Lord, begin to see what's going on. And as you get into the word, uh, and you, by the way, you don't have to wait till the mess comes to do this. <laughs> but when the mess comes, let it drive you to the word. And what you'll discover in life as you do this, as you start to understand who God is, what God is like, what God desires, what's wise and what's unwise, uh, how God wants you to respond to things and how he's enabled you to do that. And you all start to understand all these things. What you're going to discover is that you have fewer messes. Now, you'll still have messes, but you'll have fewer of them because so often our messes are of our own making. So we're still going to have messes, but you'll have fewer of them. Your messes will be smaller. Can anybody use a smaller mess today? And your messes will become more purposeful. A reason for them. So fewer messes, smaller messes, purposeful messes. How would you know that they were purposeful? I mean, in the middle of the mess, you feel like, oh man, I am so glad this is so purposeful. No, you're going, I don't get it. That's what you're doing. But if you will let the mess drive you to the word, you will discover that this is indeed purposeful. How would you know? What's well, because of what the word says. For example, Peter talks about this. He says, for a little while, go ahead and put that up if you would. For a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith may be found the praise, honor, and glory of Jesus Christ. He says, yep, you're in the mess. Yep, you're going through the trials. And you're going through it because God is changing your faith. God is growing. There is a reason for this. There is purpose in it. But if you don't go, I, if you look to the mess to find the purpose, it's, you aren't going to be happy. Because <laughs> the message the mess gives you is not good usually. It's a lie usually. So let the mess drive you into the word. Verse 28 says, then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated, Jesus indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Okay, so they invite him to stay. Now, in this culture, hospitality is a really huge thing. And so they had to ask him to stay, okay, whether they wanted to or not. But I want you to see, Jesus gave him an out, didn't he? Jesus said what? He acted as a what? I'm, I'm continuing. So they could have just let him go. But there was something about what they were hearing from him. Even though he said you're foolish, even though he says you aren't really believing God the way you ought to, something was there. They began to, to think, well, maybe God is working here. And they asked him to stay because wouldn't it have been easy to just let this guy go who just called us fools, who just said the problem is we aren't believing? Just thanks, go on down the road. 
You're not helping here. But they didn't do that. They invited him to stay. And so what I want to say is that when, let me just say this, we lean into the mess. When you start to feel like this is so overwhelming, I, I can't do it. All you want to do is run. You want to hide. You want to make bad decisions to try to relieve the pressure or make no decision that leaves you in a worse situation. Don't do that. Lean into the mess. God is at work. I'm not running from this. God, you are here. You are going to do something in my life. And then verse, verse 30. It says, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. Wait a minute. <laughs> Can't you just stick around now that you know who you are? Uh, but that doesn't matter. But here's the thing. When they least expected it, God revealed himself to them. And it changed everything for them. We're going to see. It starts a whole different process. All of a sudden, they start to see that, wait a minute. This mess that we thought was irredeemable, it's not only redeemable, it's God's working. God is doing something here. Things will start to make sense. They, they recognized him. And then look at verse 32. It says, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? I always get, almost get this sense that we should have recognized him. We could feel it in our hearts. He was, he was telling us the scriptures and he's showing us the Messiah. We should have recognized him because of all that. And, and so here's, if you, if you go away with nothing else today, here's what I want you to go away with. To see God in the mess, look for him in the word. Don't look for him in the mess. That's what we do, don't we? We go looking for him in the mess. You're not going to find him that way. Go to his word. Look for him there. And you will start to see him in ways that you then begin to recognize him in the mess. You see the difference? One's trying to go find him there, but the other's, no, I'm, I'm looking to the Lord in his word. I'm getting to know him there. And then I should say, wait a minute. This I can see. God is here. He is doing something. To see God in the mess, look for him in the word. Because as long as you look at the mess, that's all you're going to see. Focus on the mess. Wake up thinking about the mess. Go through the day thinking about the mess, worrying about the mess, maybe even crying out to God about the mess. Go to bed thinking about the mess. Lay awake at night thinking about the mess. How about instead you stop and say, wait a minute, I'm going to look for God in his word. I'm going to go with the word of God. I'm going to get to know God. I'm going to find out who he is, what he's like, how does he work, what's important to him what's not important to him, where am I aligned with him, where am I not, look for God in the word. And so let's, let's really soak that in today. I say, I went to church and they told me to read my Bible. 
Life's messy, read your Bible. Yeah, but that's what I want to say to this. Um, I got some things I want you to stop doing. I, I want you to stop reading your Bible because you're supposed to. Okay, just stop it. I want you to stop reading your Bible so you can check it off your to-do list of maybe of spiritual disciplines or whatever. Stop reading it for that reason. Stop reading just to gain more knowledge about what the Bible says. And start reading your Bible to get to know God. God, I want to know you. That'll change how you look at reading your Bible. God, I want to know you. Yeah, hey, my life isn't too much of a mess right now. I'd like to know you so when it gets to be a mess, I can see you. My life is in a huge mess. I want to get to know you so I can somehow or rather see you and go on in this mess. Read it to get to know God. Know more about him, more accurately, more personally, and you will become better at seeing God in the world around you. You want to see God in the world, look for him in the word. So read the Bible if you want to get to know God better and you will see God in the mess sooner. You will see God in the mess clearer. So two things, simple things. Read more of it and read it more often. Read more of the word. Add a page. Add a chapter. Add a book. But read more of it. And read it more often. Add a minute. Add a day. Add more minutes. Add more days. Because if you want to see God in the mess, you've got to look for him in the word. And you obviously have to know Christ as Savior to be able to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Not just a throwaway line there, Father. Thank you for your word that we can see you in it. We can get to know you in it. We can get to know your heart. We can align our hearts with you as we look to the word. We can begin to see the world the way you see it. And I pray, Father, that we would let the messes motivate us to look for you in the word. And that even if we aren't in the mess, Lord, we would look for you in the word and let that change our lives. And I do pray, Father, for anyone here today who hasn't settled that issue with you of receiving Christ as Savior once and for all in their lives, that they would do that this morning, that they would ask for help. Maybe, Lord, they'd write it down on a communication card that they'd like to do that and turn it in. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us and that we can know you. I pray in Jesus' name.